0: And welcome everyone to this edition of the NACAFA 65 Years of Our Huddle Includes Everyone podcast series. And of course, we want to thank you for jumping on and listening today. And hopefully you're enjoying your day or your morning, your afternoon, your evening, whatever time of day it is you're listening. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying it. And on this edition, we have a special guest, running back Carlo Disipio, Bel Air Lions grad Carlo Disipio. For those of you that remember football in the, uh, we'll call it the mid '80s to the early '90s, in the uh, particularly the Ottawa and the CAF scene, it was kind of the golden era for running backs. Running backs like Darren Joseph, Carlo Disipio, George Namako. Um, Dean Noel, of course, just to name a few, were all playing in and around the same time and all ended up having uh, different degrees of pro careers. And, and and having said that, I'm missing a few guys there as well. And I mean, Decipio was one uh, amongst all those names. Discipio was was one of the most, uh, I guess you could say, feared and famous name in that golden era. Coming up next on the podcast, we've got Carla Decipio running back from the Bel Air Lions. And we got Carlo Discipio jumping on the line with us. Carlo, are you there, buddy? Good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, bud. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you, bud?
1: My pleasure. Uh, I'm doing very well. Good to hear you. Good to hear your voice, my friend. It's been a long time.
0: It has been. Hey, it's good to be heard. And, and I say this all the time. One of the things I love about this initiative from a totally selfish and uh, and I guess egocentric point of view is that I, I get to catch up with guys, that, I mean, we we still talk uh, and we still uh, see each other occasionally, but not as much as we should. So I mean, I've been looking forward to this one for a while, my friend.
1: Oh, awesome! And any way that we can uh, touch base uh, is it's it's is a good way. So uh, no very way. good
0: to uh, get and
1: get hear from uh, past players for sure.
0: No, Amen. Well, like I was telling people a little bit at the beginning of the conversation, and I wanted to jump right in it. Carlo, I kind of define the era that you played in almost as a bit of a, a a golden era, or golden age for running backs in the nation's capital. The reason I say that is you see the um, you see actual football numbers. I don't want to say growing in terms of participation, but you actually see the the talent level being recognized more as more and more kids nowadays are heading to the U.S. or or turning pro, and the games evolving. But one thing I notice is we we still haven't kind of uh, Had that golden era of running backs that we would have had, say, in the late 80s, early 90s, when guys like yourself, Dean Noel, Darren Joseph, um, George Namako, all future CFL players, all significant college-level players, and basically... All, all your careers kind of intertwine and you're playing against each other, so it's kind of interesting to have you on here and as i as i mentioned um, as I was just mentioned to you kind of refer to it as a bit of a golden age so we'll go back to your uh, we'll kind of get started before we get that far into it carlos We'll kind of get started with your your background playing football or, or you know what maybe just the discipio background. Can you give me a little bit about uh, a little bit about yourself um growing up, not just on the football side but your family and uh, and yourself growing up <sighs> Uh, sure. Um,
1: my parents uh, obviously came from Italy. Uh, when would they have come? I think my dad came in the 50s, I don't remember exact
0: date. Mom's okay, so you're, you're first generation Canadian, then I'm first generation Canadian, yeah. All right, cool, brother. I wasn't sure about that. Of all the time I've known you, I wasn't 100% certain. Oh, no, cool. Sorry, I interrupted. Continue.
1: No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, uh, first generation Canadian. Uh, Parents uh, didn't really know much at all about football. Um, When did football start for me? I was 10 years old. Um, My next-door neighbor, Jeff Daly, was playing for the uh, Bel Air Lions, Bel Air Copeland Lions, and uh, just had asked me if I wanted to come out and join, and prior to that, I just loved playing sports outside, like Tackle football, British Bulldog, you name it. And, uh, you know, all these all these crazy, uh, crazy sports that we would play. I just loved playing sports. So um, I asked my dad if I could go out, and he said, sure. And so I went out, and the rest is history. I just loved it.
0: I love that you bring up British Bulldog, man. That's a blast from the past. I, uh, On so many levels, I, I, I would think that they're not allowed to play that anymore. Um, and yeah, you just pretty, I'm gritting right now because I forgot it. You,
1: you know what, these were the games that we played as kids and, and, and Wayne, it's, it's it's sad that you don't see these things nowadays and you know, I, I'm going to go back to your interview that you had with Darren Joseph and I listened to a phenomenal interview and there was, I did nothing but laugh. I may have even shed a tear because it was, it was bringing back really, really wicked memories of the good old days and you know, we, I, used, I remember boxing with another friend of mine in the wintertime on top of a snow bike in the schoolyard, just hammering on each other because you could. And so these were the things that you did when you were younger, and, you know, times have changed, and, you know, swings are removed from school playgrounds because they're noted as being dangerous. And, you know, heavens to bitsie, if you were to do a cartwheel and hurt yourself because some other kid tried and broke their leg and no
0: more cartwheels. Well, so, it's funny you, that you say that because i think we go from one extreme like we go from feast to famine or, or one extreme to another because your story about boxing reminds me of myself being a kid we used to do wwf moves on each other <laughs> uh, now, now maybe that was where you want to pull the ribcord but I, I agree with you dude i i am uh i i i so agree that like i said there doesn't ha- seem to be a happy medium and um there's a growing up experience that not just our generation, but the generation before us, the generation before us, that's um, that's never going to be recaptured. But I, I interrupted you there, buddy. Sorry about that.
1: No, no, that's fine. Uh, you're right. It's a generation that's been interrupted. But I mean, they're trying to trying to satisfy those who deem certain things dangerous and unsafe and whatnot. I get it. I understand it. It's just that I have, I mean, rules have changed in football, especially for running backs now where uh, I guess you can't lead with your head and you can't hit this way. You can't hit that way. To be honest, I've been out of the football. um, I don't know how you would call it. I haven't coached in a very long time. And I think I'd have a hard time coaching younger levels because of some of the rules that have changed. I mean, I get it, you know it's due to injury and whatnot, but uh, I just I just miss the good old days where you, you could just be a tough and rumble kid and just t- play
0: these tackle sports. You can't do it anymore. Uh, it's funny because I mean anybody that's had the privilege of watching you play, or or even even better privilege of calling you a T, I mean that was that was your style to a T. I mean, you were not running that. I mean, you had the ability to run around people if you so desired, but I mean, your your first choice, or your, I guess you could say your modus operandi, was going to be to run through that guy in in any way necessary. That's that's kind of cool then, and we'll touch back on that in a, in a little bit. But my uh, one of the questions I have for you in your you said you're about ten years old, ten eleven, give or take, um, when you went out to start playing tackle football with the Bel Air Lions. What was that first experience like? like? Do you remember some of the earlier days? Do you remember, um, did you fall in love with it immediately? Was it something that, that took some time to grow or was it love at first sight?
1: It, it was love at first sight. And I have to say that for, for many, many reasons. One of them being the friends that you make, right, who, who share the same passion uh, for the sport. But it was, it was the coaches that had the biggest impact. on on my career, Uh, they they were like fathers away from from the home, right? They just looked after you. They cared for you. Uh, They encouraged you. They just treated you like a son in in, in all aspects. The teammates that I've played with, you know, Dean Noel being one of them, Dean Dean the touchdown machine, uh, you know, and just playing in the fall weather. uh, I remember playing – plane where it was you know you get tackled and the field was completely iced over you know so your hands look like they went through a cheese grater machine they were all sliced up so you know this created the men from ice you're 10 11 (laughs) 12 years old and you're you know suck it up buttercup you're getting out there oh you know you know you've got a severe swollen thumb and a forearm no problem i've got a couple of (laughs) pads i'll just put them on your arm get back out there we need you
0: Oh yeah, no, it no, it's definitely a different era of football back then. I, I, I joke and I tell people and again you're making me laugh now because I mean you're you uh you're kind of elaborating on stories that Darren told when he was on here. I think uh one of your ex high school teammates, Tommy Casagrande, was on here and he was recounting some of the stories. Yeah. I mean the evolution of the game, um I had uh, I had the NCAFA president, the uh, past president, sorry, Steve Dean, who was president of the, of the league from 2005 to 2020 on. And it was kind of interesting talking about the evolution with him because even that, like I tell people, the 1990s, we're not talking, you know, ancient times or 1950s or football coming out of World War II. We're talking relatively recent when you still had a – you know, it's been a seismic shift in the in the game, the way it's kind of the mentality, the way it's played, um and what and, and forth. And and to be fair, like you said, and I agree a hundred percent, this is one I agree with um there's aspects i loved of it but i i mean i realize as somebody who loves the game that in 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 the way it was it's not sustainable going forward so so i get that so uh, i don't want to make it sound like i'm lamenting for something or trying to bring something back so Garo, um going back to those early days and i want to touch on kind of post um post-Beller in a bit but I remember a little bit and I mean you named the you, you kind of gave the name and the nickname Dean Dean the touchdown machine you followed in Dean's footsteps at almost every level that you played in and I mean what was that like because I mean again for people that aren't of a certain age they won't understand the legend the myth if you will That Dean, Dean, the touchdown machine was not just his own teammates, but throughout the city of Ottawa. Like you knew you were playing if you were if you were any other team in the city, you knew you were playing the Bel Air Lions. And then all of a sudden, after Dean Noel graduates or moves on, we're like, oh, great. We don't have to deal with this guy anymore. And then there's this other guy. Different style, but just as good. What was that like always coming up in his footsteps?
1: It was awesome. I looked, I looked up to Dean uh, big time. Dean, uh, I, had, I had got a couple of cool stories uh, re- regarding Dean. We went to St. Elizabeth's, and I actually was getting picked on by a kid who was two or three grades older and a lot taller. Mind you, I'm not the tallest guy around. And Dean actually stuck up for me and just <laughs> held this guy. Uh, in a position where the guy just simply relaxed like a wet towel, and <laughs> and since then I was like I, I looked up to Dean I looked at him as as like big brother, and but the I've got nothing but fond memories of Dean. Another cool story is when game day, it's game day. It's seven thirty in the morning on a Saturday morning. We're at um Car- agent. Where are we in Alexandria Park? We're waiting. For everybody to show up, so that Mr. Peary can load us in the back of his pickup truck and take us down to wherever we had to, uh, wherever we had to uh, play.
0: And de- now,
1: how many guys? How many
0: guys are getting into the pickup truck? Just so I can <laughs> the pickup?
1: oh, there had to have been, I want to say seven, <laughs> in the back yeah, no, of I Mr. Peary's pickup it. truck.
0: <laughs> and just so people know out there, again, it's a different time. Oh you man, drive by. Police officer with seven in the pickup truck. You just wave and smile. They wave, wave back at you. So there were there
1: were no school buses. There were no voyagers. Yeah. There was there was nothing, man. You had to get to the game via the parents, and all the parents really, I have to tip my hat off, really kicked in when when it was needed. But getting back to what I was saying, Dean didn't yeah. Dean didn't show up, and so we were all like distraught we were all like we're gonna we're gonna get our butts kicked we're gonna lose like dean's not here what are we gonna do well we didn't realize but dean was hiding in a bush just down at the end of the park waiting waiting for the exact moment when he was gonna pop out and start running towards the truck and then you you could probably hear us cheering the gatnell that we're we're gonna win the
0: game now dean's here and uh (laughs) where doesn't Surprise me and, and you know what it's funny because i i didn't uh, i didn't have the pleasure of knowing him like you did it when we were kids having you having grown up with them gone to school with them i met dean in uh in my in my college years and have known him since and i mean just a great phenomenal guy we're hoping to get him on here um like i said, like so your stories about dean a the kind of flair for the for grandeur that a that doesn't surprise me. Although he's one of the humblest people you'll meet. I was, that part I was
1: just going to say, I was just going to say, Wayne, he's such a humble humble man, and he's always been a class act. Uh, he's uh-huh. he's done so well for himself uh, with with his career and, and whatnot, and he just you know you'd never know it, right? He's just such a such a classy classy guy. I Have nothing but the utmost respect for that
0: man. Oh, like I said to you, I, uh, I, I'm hoping to get him on. He's just, he's great, a great guy. I, uh, I I consider him a friend, although we don't talk all that often. Met him in university through, actually, um, you know, a couple of pretty good running backs in their own right. Uh, Namaka, Darren Joseph. So, I mean, um, yeah, no. And again, before we turn this at dust, just uh, bragging up, Dean, anybody that knows him will say the same, will to what we're saying so i mean that's kind of cool so it wasn't even you didn't feel any type of pressure this was like your big brother the guy you looked up to so if anything you were almost just trying to emulate his success and and i mean again for people that didn't get to see you run man um with at the risk of uh you know pumping your tires here it was something to watch i mean there's there's if you get a chance um and, and you and, and i don't know if it's still on youtube or whatever some of the shots. Ch- but some of those Sooners runs, and we'll talk about your days with the Sooners going on your on your way to a national title. But, I mean, just some of those runs were insane. And, I mean, you were known for that. Whereas Dean was um, as good as Dean was. and Dean was phenomenal. He was like that breakaway runner. He just turned the corner and it was like bye-bye. Yeah. Just stood- Whereas I remember watching you, and, and I think it even was scarier because then all of a sudden you had this guy coming up. He didn't just run around the edge and outrun you. He just ran through you. So at least you were just watching Dean run away from you, and it was like, ah, oh, that that sucks. We're losing, but it doesn't physically hurt. But then you had this guy, and i remember <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, Bud, because once you uh, and we'll get to the Laurentian ages, but by grade seven or eight, you you were sporting the mullet, if I'm not wrong. Like I remember playing against you, not knowing you, but you had like the shaved top and the and the longer hair in the back, so it even just added to the legend, Bud. Like, we were, we were scared of you going out there, so. The mullets were in back then, man. Come on. Everybody, buddy, everybody had it. a mullet. <laughs> buddy, the Kentucky waterfall, you have to love it.
1: <laughs> Most of my friends had a mullet. You were a loser if you didn't have a mullet. Come on. Let's be honest here.
0: I'm telling you, if I had the wherewithal or the means to grow a mullet, mine was the fro or the flat, <laughs> to be, to, to kind of, delve or not delve but evolve into the flat top or the fade but if i and you know what i even think i um what's his face you remember clive lloyd of and course clive, clive alive the, <laughs> yeah the closest i came to the mullet was copying clive so i had the so you know what i'm almost guilty i guess it would be the black man's mullet because i had the fat the fade the flat top yeah and, and I had the little pigtail clive got me on that for about <laughs> a year so, but anyways for any of you that don't know what a mullet is uh a you probably don't need to know and b look it up and just like i said just uh, watch joe dirt watch joe dirt and understand business in the front party in the back there That's you awesome. go <laughs> but anyways i'll joke it aside man um i bring it up because i remember um I remember seeing you as a kid, and again, you know, like uh, DJ and I were joking. Like you, you play mosquito, you would play Pee Wee, and you'd swear that big, huge linebacker was six one two fifty, and there was nobody in the league that was six one two fifty. But your memories are such, so I, I remember going up against you. And again, um, I was lucky enough. I think only once I actually played against you. The other times I, I would have been on the other side of the of the uh, the ball, so we never went head to head. But you kind of were leaving a bit of a uh, or making a name for yourself in in Nakafa, so you've kind of expanded that. There's not a hiccup. The Bell airlines are still one of the dominant programs. Um, I remember one of the first, and it's funny. I, I wish I still had it and I'd give it to you, but, but uh, I, I have no idea. My dad used to call the games for Rodgers, and I think it was one of the first games I ever saw you play was my dad used to do the local commentary or whatever for Rodgers was us against you, and it was kind of your breakout party because we had seen Dean Dean the touchdown machine the year before. And then there's this new guy, Carlos Scipio. so... Now we move forward, we get kind of past that. Let's talk about your junior high years. You played, you were still playing every sport. You went to, which junior, did you go to St. Raymond's Junior High? I did,
1: just, uh, yeah, Darren Joseph was uh, just ahead of me. So, yeah, I went to St. St. Raymond's for grade 7, grade 8, and grade 9. and went to Laurentian up to 13.
0: Well, I remember St. Raymond's, because it's a funny story, and you probably don't know this, because we weren't, uh, I, I we played basketball against, you played basketball at St. Ray's, I'm sure of it, we played. I yeah. did. Yep. Yeah, I was at St. Paul's, and I remember, again, not to, you know, pump your ego, but a bunch of us were like, you know, more interested in, hey, that's Carlo Scipio, the running back, as opposed to playing in the basketball game. So you go through St. Raymond's. You play. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you play your your two years. You're still playing for Bel Air while you're at St. Raymond's, and then um, you graduate. And when was your last year? Was I don't think there was Bantam back then. You were playing what Pee Wee and up to Mosquito and Pee Wee with Bel Air. Correct. Was that? And then you go on. Now I want to touch, even though it was in the cafe. Tommy and I touched a bit about it, and then I was really fascinated. I posted Tommy's um, the interview I had with Tom Casagrande, um, another uh, another Bel Air Lion graduate, another Laurentian Lion graduate. And I mean, one of the things I found interesting was we I, I posted it, you know, for some of his Laurentian classmates, and it really impressed me. Um, Not from a football, because the football we talked about, it was impressive, the football. What a power. It was a small school. But you had such a small school that seems really tight-knit to this day. Like, a lot of people were interested. A lot of people commented on what Tommy was doing. It just seemed like a really tight-knit community. Can you talk to me a little bit about your experience, um, your early years getting into Laurentian? What was that like? What, What was it like just walking into the Laurentian family and then onto the football field? I think you know where I'm going with this.
1: Um, it was fantastic. Now, the reason why I went to Laurentian was because my two older brothers actually went to Laurentian. Uh, uh, my oldest did not play football, but my second oldest brother did. And so that's why I wanted to go to Laurentian. And um, when I went to Laurentian, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't the biggest school around. It's a very special school. So what I mean by that is uh, – it had the capacity to hold you know fifteen to seventeen hundred students, but um, there was maybe a thousand students there if if that, um, throughout my years that were there that I was there and uh, I didn't realize how strong the uh, the football program was there until I started playing for uh, you know Bob Wells and Ron Graham, and then I realized well there's, there's this is a really good program like these these, these two coaches actually know what you know how to coach and run a team here. So um, the the rest was just, uh,
0: just gravy. Well, it's funny, dude, cause I think we could do a podcast series just on the Laurentian lions football program. Cause it's one of those things and it's lost and it's a shame nowadays because um, people just don't realize, um, the, I don't want to say the strength, but uh, the popularity, I guess you could say of high school sports, particularly high school football back then. And then on top of it, um, the, the niche that a school like Laurentian or the run or the dynasty that Laurentian went on. Cause we're talking several, you know, several years that Laurentian was either in the, um, in, in the mix, either winning it in the mix or in the conversation for it. And I mean, again, two gentlemen that I, I, I never had the privilege of playing for or really knowing, but their name keeps coming up again. And that's Bob Wells and, and Ron Graham. Can you talk a little bit about, you talk about what great coaches they were. Do you have any, memories that jump out right off the top of your head uh, in terms of the two coaches.
1: I have plenty of memories both on the field and in school, um, but talk about two two men who've devoted their lives to helping kids in school and exceed at their athletic ability in and, and sports program was unreal. Um, you'd see the passion from these two coaches uh, just spill out over the field as, as they were coaching. You know, you they'd never really lose lose control to the point where you know uh, they were looked at with with uh, a crossed eyebrow or whatnot, you however you want to say it, but they just devoted so much time and effort into this program and what they did was they were able to um, unlock each and every one of our abilities. If I don't know if you know what I mean, but they were able to yep. pull out that drive and find what it was that, that you know drove that one individual to exceed and used it to their to their uh, to their best
0: ability. You know, no, I know exactly what you're saying, and it's funny because I actually. I always say it's it's the, a, a true a great coach knows how to push the buttons not of a of a team but of the individual asset exactly how to, I'm not a huge believer in the kind of old school mentality of um you know one size fits all meaning that uh, I think the approach is different I remember <laughs> excuse me there funny story in university when we were teammates um and I remember it and it was and it it just popped in my head when you're talking about being able to get the, the, the best out of each individual athlete. I remember um we had a coach, Coach Howlett, and uh he was more, you know, if you were gonna equate him to a coach today, Coach Howlett was kind of like your Pete Carroll guy or your Phil Jackson. He was kind of ahead of his time in his in sports psychology, um, a very cerebral guy, not a screamer, not an old school get your face. And right. I totally remember him. <laughs> yep. No, I remember after one play, I don't remember what had happened or what was happening, but I've never seen him before or never seen him since, and he was in your face. It was you, and he's screaming at you and yelling. His veins are popping, and I'm stunned because I've never seen him like this. I've seen many a coach like this, but never him. And And I remember asking him after the fact, I'm like, Steve, like, what happened? Cause it didn't seem, I forget what it was, you know, it was an assignment thing or, but it wasn't this huge egregious thing. And, and I asked him and I said, Steve, yeah, I've never seen you like that. It didn't seem like, you know, of all the things you're going to do that for. And, and he just said, and it, it made sense. And I was like, ah, you know what? This is why I love this guy. He's like, no, Carlo actually came to me and said, at times, he needs more of this. He needs the level to be cranked up a little. And this is the best approach for him in these circumstances. Um, meaning that's going to, I'm like, huh, you know, that's funny that you listen and you're able to adapt that way. So, I mean, it, it's interesting what you say about Ron Graham and about Bob Wills, because I've heard nothing but great things about them. Um, I find it interesting that in an era that, that coaches were kind of, again, that one size fits all mentality, um, that they were tailor making things to each individual athlete is, is kind of a Testament that they were ahead of the curve. Um, that the days Laurentian, I mean, you guys were, were a power, you had great coaching any, any, uh, teammates that kind of stick out or any memories of, of teammates that kind of stick out that you want to, uh, talk to here.
1: Oh, there's there's plenty. I mean, she's well. i I played with, I played with Paul Hoilet. I played against Paul Hoylet. I Played against uh, George Namako. They both played for Brookfield. Um, oh man, yeah. So apparently, like, that game is still being talked about. Uh, Laurentian versus Brookfield at Laurentian uh, to see who goes mm-hmm. to the big show, and uh, yep. we pulled it off. With a with a long bomb from Mike Perry to Greg Monsoon in the end zone. Apparently, Mike Perry called his own play. It was supposed to be a center screen to me, but needless that I know, uh, Paul Hoilet had told me years later that he and another gentleman were keen on me big time for that play. There's no way I would have <laughs> I would have gotten through, and so Mike Perry called his own. His own play and scored the winning touchdown. We won by one point, so it's still talked about to this day. But I mean, that's just one of many fond memories I have
0: coming out of Laurentian. That's really cool. I haven't heard the name Mike Perry in ages, and their memory was the Laurentian QB. Yeah, again, I, I uh, like I said, buddy. For me, this is just—it's it, it, a great initiative that the cafe came up with, and from a very selfish, I guess you could say, spoiled point of view. Uh, it's just fun to catch up with guys get to chat like this and then uh you know bringing up names of not necessarily people that i was friends with but guys that uh haven't thought of their names in 30 40 years because uh, you know you were competing against them you're just like oh yeah i remember that dude um speaking of which you talk about it now Is the laurentian line was there any particular uh team that you remember and i'm going to ask you this about bell airline too was there any team that you guys played against Laurentian that through your time at Laurentian always caused you fits? Like you just like, you know, what? I don't, I'd rather they weren't in the, in the league. Any team that you remember? Like The only
1: one that comes to mind right now, and I'm sure there are others just my memories is uh, not the strongest right now, but the only one that really comes to mind is the, again, playing when we had to play against Borden, Sir Robert, Sir Robert Borden. They're usually, they usually put together a pretty decent program. Um, There's one game that sticks out in the mind where we did lose by two points. But, um, yeah, we lost by two points. We managed to run the ball from our five, I think, all the way down to Borden's uh, two-yard line, I think it was. And then uh, there was a fumble. The next play, Borden recovered, and that was that. So we ended up losing by two points. Turns out it was the only game that my uh, parents had Finally, come to because back then you had to work, everybody worked. My dad worked his his, his, yep. his hands off, and so uh, I always wished that they had come to a game. And uh, they had finally come to that game, and uh, it turns out that we had lost. So, um, anyways, Sir Robert Borden would be the school that uh, we really had to be ready for.
0: No, I hear you, and I remember Borden's football and basketball programs back then. Now, let's take take a step off the football field for a second. Um, Any memories of any memories jump out, uh, you know, particular teachers, classmates that weren't teammates? Anything that uh, uh, jumps out in terms of in the hallways of Laurentian High School? Uh, Any teachers or non-teammates? Yeah, or or for that matter, you know, like classmates that, uh, you know, or or even just fond memories of Laurentian in the 80s, anything that jumps out when you think. Like, I know... I know when I start to uh, to to think about Earl of March, the first thing I think about of Earl of March is lunchtime in the lower foyer when I was first there because the school was overcrowded, so you were allowed to eat in the lower foyer, so it was just like this gathering place. I don't know why it's such a simplistic memory of it, but it's one of my fond ones. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, just outside of football, anything jump out or anything that you remember about Laurentian about your time as a Laurentian? Oh, uh,
1: yeah. There's there's. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that example. Uh, and that helps. That helps quite a bit. There, there's lots of, of fun memories of Laurentian man. Uh, actually, I can almost, I can almost smell the lunch cafeteria room right now as you speak. But one thing we had were really strong intramural programs. So if you, uh, so we exactly. ball hockey was huge, and uh, <laughs> gone are the days of playing murder ball, but uh, or German balls with those little round. Uh, <laughs> yeah so you know. our gym teacher smitty or
0: mr smith back then <laughs> do you see what they do now man do you see because they use dodgeball and i mean they have to again i'm not mocking it just so everybody don't get out of me i agree we have to be safe but they're like little sponge balls now or we had those orange balls and like you yeah uh, anyway sorry I uh, no I, I i yeah i
1: was afraid you're gonna bring up like maybe using like uh paper scrunched up paper balls and throwing them at each other or something nowadays. But back then when that little <laughs> yellow or red ball zipped by your earlobe, you lost your earlobe or you heard what sounded like a cannon ball zipping right past your head. Like you were running for your life. But these were the, uh, these were the organized events that were played during lunch hour. And, while you were playing them on the gym floor, you look up into the stands and the stands were packed with, with everybody who gave up their break for eating lunch to watch these intramural games being played by, you know, team one against team two. I mean, it was a totally structured, I mean, I mean, your last period before lunch, you were getting a bit nervous because, because you knew <laughs> you had to zip down to the change room and get ready for battle.
0: <laughs> so it was fantastic.
1: Uh,
0: you know, what's cool, man, is is I like that you bring that up because it's just, again, and I mean, this is more we're we're talking more about football. So I want to start getting into uh, memory lane about high school. But you did. You bring back a flood of memories and just simple stuff or, or stuff that ne- wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, planned or organized but just the memories like you said of, of uh, that last period and waiting for that bell to ring either in a good way or a not so great way knowing intramurals was coming up or the gym packed or remember at earl we had the uh upper gallery so you had all the legs dangling and watching that stuff was uh yeah no a fun time and again um hopefully everybody uh you know gets to enjoy it like like we did uh, uh give me sure. one second here bud <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. So, again, we've kind of gone through Laurentian. Um, the reason that, again, normally I don't kind of go delve that much into the high school uh, arena, but I just found it so fascinating the tight bond that Tommy had and still seemed to have with a lot of your uh, your fellow classmates that I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Laurentian experience to kind of paint a picture for listeners. Now, you graduate, uh, you go on from Laurentian. Um, and the funny thing, I don't know why this popped in my head, but but I remember this one. And again, we weren't friends yet, but I still remember it. Um, in your Laurentian days, you were also, uh, I believe, at the time, it was CJOH. You were CJOH athlete of the week. I remember that. Now, here's where I got to. I really wanted to talk a little bit about to you and kind of pick your brain because I found it fascinating. So you come out of high school and you've established yourself. You've made a name for yourself as one of the premier running backs in the city of Ottawa. Um, I'm sure schools are talking to you. Junior at the time was a different beast, so it was a stronger program, so they're trying to wow you. And then out east, in, in, in small Cape Breton, there's a football program that's just being launched, and you end up going from from a perennial power of Laurentian Lions to being probably one of the more known names in high school football in your in your graduating class to Cape Breton program that you know you guys had a few key name guys because i remember everybody being like wow they got this guy wow they got that guy describe that process to me brother like what where did it start where it was the seed was planted that maybe you went out there how was it why did you choose it you see all the questions i'm asking i'm going to kind of leave it to you to talk because this i find this it's uh
1: it was actually kind of cool that it happened uh wayne i don't know if you recall back then or not but there were no scholarships being given out to Canadian football players. And so Mm -hmm. this team was being uh, created from J.I. Albrecht and uh, George Brancato.
0: And for those that don't go ahead, sorry, I'm just going to George, famous Rough Rider head coach and Albrecht years involved with the CFL, both on the, the coaching side and the investing and management side. So no, that's that's, that's that, great. Thanks for,
1: for uh, the, the background on those two fine gentlemen. That's right. They came to Laurentian High School recruiting, and uh, they told me, okay. you know, this team has never – it's never been – they've never had a team before. UCCB, University College of <laughs> Cape Breton back then, CAPERS, and uh, they were recruiting. So they re- ended up recruiting myself and four other guys from Ottawa. Um, I hope I don't forget anybody here. But, uh, yeah, well, Dave, very good friend, Dave Palthaswaite. God rest his soul now. Um, Corey McNeil, George Namako, Paul Hoilet, and uh, Frank Bellantoni. And we all went out. Okay. Went out east. Uh, reason being is because uh, – It was a scholarship and I did not want to instill a lot of uh, debt on my parents from university. So I thought this was a fantastic
0: opportunity. No, and the names that they brought there, I mean, like it's, and for those that weren't around the football scene, when this was happening, there were some shockwaves going through university sports at the time. It was CIA football and it was the new program um, you had, you know, heavily entrenched programs. And like you said, there was no scholarship money throughout the country. I mean, at the time out East was really the only place that they could, you could visit the campus, like go on a a, a paid visit or, uh, you know, they fly to you in and this type of thing. Um, the landscape was different and you had two of these football and they were true. I mean, again, um, I, I do believe coach Brancato just recently passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they were particularly Coach Brancato, but even uh, JI at the time, they were football icons in the city. I mean, George Brancato, for anybody of a certain age, was the face of the the Ottawa Rough Riders. Was the coach? You no, know, was the coach. So I, mean, it was actually creating quite a you know a, a a wave effect or whatever, where people were watching. So you go out there, you you have the, the four Ottawa guys or four or five Ottawa guys that go with you um what was that experience like when you got there what was it like when you when you arrived and uh home?
1: that was that was a really nice experience i mean obviously it's uh you're you're away from home uh but what made it easy was that you had your buddies with you and so that that just <laughs> made it that just made it so much fun uh because because the uh program never had a team before we were allowed one extra week for training camp so we had literally three weeks of two days and so I ended up dropping I think it was 15 pounds just from the amount of running that we had to do but we still barely had enough for an entire team Um, J.I. actually recruited five other gentlemen from um, England and I think the shortest one of them was six five so they were giants like six 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 eight um, six, five and another six, six, or whatnot. I mean these guys were huge ex rugby players uh soccer players, a couple of them went on to play pro, so with the combination of the the fellows from Ottawa, the fellows from England, and a couple of local they they uh managed to put a team together um, but uh, it was challenging i I'd, i i 'd like to think that we were contenders for half the game. And then when the second – or the second half of the game would come around, you know, our O-line was our D-line. You're on every single specialty team. So, you were just gassed. So, you had nothing left. And that's where we ended up losing most of our games was the second half. But for the first half, we were definitely contenders out
0: there. No, and St. Mary's and Acadia were national powers back then. So, it's it's not like you were, you know, you were playing some pretty, pretty strong competition in the – in the in the Atlantic University Athletic Association, what was what it was called back then. And it's interesting because I remember with some of the names that uh that went out there everybody was like oh wow this team and you forget just how many moving parts are needed for a football team to be successful and I always contend that unfortunately and I'm I'll ask you in a second because I'm not sure maybe you have some insight maybe you don't but I always contend like wow had that program been able to continue and you know even if it just been like okay the the you look at the class they brought in from Ottawa if they were able to say um, emulate that every every recruiting cycle, where they might have been in four years. Do you know what the why did the program stop so abruptly or, or were you not? Uh
1: word that? got out that uh the football program was um compensating players in order to come out and play.
0: Gotcha. So the scholarship's uh yeah, and it was uh, and just for people know, back then it was a gray area in Canada. It
1: was a gray so, area so, for sure.
0: I mean, yeah. oh no. And uh, JI, I'll give him credit. He was a constant businessman. I, I, I don't think he, uh, I don't think he broke any rules. But uh, you know, if they were able, if they were able to bend them, they bent them. So I mean, uh, like you said, it was definitely a gray area. It's a shame because I mean. Um, From as a football fan, and I look back, but uh, even at the time, I thought the same thing. It would be great. It'd be great. I used to have Cape Breton playing, um, to have UNB back in the fold, to have some of the schools you had, Dow, and you have some others that now play like club ball. Um, just because there's a passion for sport out east, and it would have been a fun thing, and, I, and I'm sure they could have grown it. It would have been really interesting to see what type of power under um, that type of I think you've got a,
1: a good point, Wayne, because <laughs> football is actually pretty good out in the east coast. And now with the with the talked about uh, potential uh, CFL edition of the schooners, not sure when that will start, um, I think that would have been great. And uh, I mean, you go to university with the intention of graduating from that one university, have it be four or five years later, depending on your program. So it was a bit of a shocker, and and um, it was kind of sad and maddening to maddening to find out that in the end that you know after after its first season that you know that that's it.
0: No, it was a shame, and like I said, from somebody standing on the outside, I was pulling for it for no other reason, just. Uh, I think it's great for the Canadian game. And personally, I think it was the catalyst for a lot of changes as weird as it sounds, even though it's one year. Um, it was after that, that Canadian programs started realizing, okay, you know what? Um, they started giving money out to the athletes. Cause I mean, say what you will, um, the, the hours and the time spent by, a, by a U sport athlete. And I'm not talking just football. I'm talking every sport, the dedication and whatnot. um, you know there's it's it's to me there's I don't have an issue with that reward i think it's a good thing and i think it uh, you know in a lot of that aren't say professional sports um it'll enhance our, our 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 olympic programs our amateur programs by having a stronger university sport level across the board so i think programs like that kind of got things rolling and you see it where out east right now um scholarships are the norm uh, throughout the country there's there's uh Athletic financial aid available at every school. Um, Yeah, just stuff that you know was a gray area. They kind of set it in motion. So, yeah, great stuff. I just, I, I, I'm with you. Um, Probably a lot more, not probably, definitely a lot more disappointing and frustrating for you living it firsthand. But on the other hand, from an outsider, um, kind of wish it had existed, or kind of wish it had kind of kept going. I think it would have been great for uh, U Sport football. Now you come back. You're done at uh, Cape Red. You come back to Ottawa. What's next? On your-
1: I ended up playing with the Sooners uh, with uh, Jeff Karate, another, uh, another local legend. Uh, He's uh, quite the running back as well, for sure. And so, yeah, I played with the Sooners uh, in '91. And, and then uh, I got uh, recruited to play at Ottawa in '92 to '95.
0: Yeah, now Sooners ninety one. I think um, that turned out okay. I think for you, how'd you guys end up? Uh,
1: We went down to the uh, uh, we went out to Saskatoon. What what was it? That wasn't wasn't the championship, but it was just a game under semi semifinals. And uh, we got our (laughs) we got our hats uh, handed back to us. Uh, It was just
0: an air attack on us. It was something else but uh yeah well it's funny yeah I know I was just gonna say it's funny because I remember those Sooners days for decades and it was it was either the Sooners either won it always seemed like the Sooners would win the national title in a series of close games or they'd get blown out by one of those western like it was never a close loss it was, they won the close game The Western program very very
1: strong yeah. very strong
0: I uh, yeah it's a different beast out there it's a complete I mean, Saskatchewan's the one province where football, you know, you can say football rivals hockey in terms of infrastructure popularity. Uh, and I know my myself with coaching experience. I mean, this is a huge umbrella statement, but one that I think is true. Um, you just get a different player. I mean, you're looking at a province that uh, that doesn't have the population base of, uh, of, say, your your Ontario, British Columbia, or Quebec. Um, but but yeah, it just turns out great football players. I and mean, you look at nationwide tournaments like the Canada Cup. Um, Saskatchewan, uh, you know, is mm-hmm. is always in the mix for for bronze medal. And and when you consider population, I would argue pound for pound, nobody beats Saskatchewan. I mean, just you looking at Ontario with 16 million, and, and uh, you know, uh, Saskatchewan with uh, under a million. So interesting stuff. It's like I said. It's I, it's I. I'm always intrigued with how they run things out west, particularly Saskatchewan, and it's fun to watch. So you guys go. You you move on from Sooners. You end up going to Ottawa U. So you kind of gone full circle. You started your your youth career in Ottawa. Got off to Cape Breton, came back and played junior. So now you're playing for the University of Ottawa Gigi's. Um, You come in again, you're replacing another guy that you're probably a little bit uh, familiar with name wise, you come in and replace Darren Joseph. And now it's more of a it's not just that local team, it's a university team where there's recruits from all over. So you come in, you got you share the backfield with Sean Ralph, different style of running back, um, both effective guys. But a lot of expectations. What was your first year? What do you? What were your first memories, or I should say, your memories of first uh, first year at Ottawa U? You, you know, it was yeah, a or bit
1: or overwhelming. Or I do remember Tom Casagrande, uh telling me that you know, uh, just to let you know, there's another uh, running back that just got recruited, and uh, he's phenomenal. He's going to be coming from Montreal, so make sure you train your your butt off this summer and uh, and uh, give it a good show. And I do remember Coach uh, Coach Larry Ring saying. Don't not one of my players think that their their position's guaranteed here. He said if there's gonna be another person that comes in, another player that's better than you, says the best person's getting the job. And that's when it really made me realize, you know, nothing's guaranteed here. You've you've got to work to turn your keep here. And so I tried to step it up as much as I could um heading into auto. You I, I i I trained, I ran a lot, I lifted a lot. Um just simply out of wanting to continue uh, being able to be a contributor to a to a program, so it was an eye opening experience my first year for sure. But um, I mean, if you train hard enough for something, then it just makes the unknown easier.
0: No, exactly. You know what I like? The, I like the way you put that. I, I, I like that a lot. It really does. I always equate training, kind of the prep, the training. And to, to studying in school, I tell young athletes, I'm like, you know, and I I like exactly how you put it makes the unknown easier. If you prep or you study for a test, all of a sudden you walk in, it's still unknown, but you have a lot more, you're a lot more at ease You're a lot more at ease and it goes off easier. You forget was a test you don't study and you have that anxiety attack and everything and might as well you know it looks uh like something you've never seen before it's the same thing on a football field regardless of the position you play there's different ways you have to get ready for it. so no it's interesting you put it that way well again ottawa you I know there was some ups and downs i mean uh having been your teammate in that i know it, uh, ups and downs in the career but i mean it kind of we kind of took a turn and things were going, and you were starting to, again, get back, uh, I would say, back in that uh, Discipio groom that we all know in terms of being a dominant back, culminated with you, you know, the Carlo Discipio that the city of Ottawa completely know, kind of being that back towards the end of your career at Ottawa U. Now, you leave Ottawa U, you go to the the pros. You go to the Ottawa Rough Riders. For those that don't know, I believe it was 95 or 96. I don't remember exactly what year, if you remember by all. 96. And that was the Rough Riders last year, correct? So what was that like, bud? You go in, and here's the thing. and And again, a bit of it, I always give disclaimers or whatever so people, they realize if I'm biased or not. And again, this is one of those cases where I am biased. Do I think that you are a pro running back? Yeah, I do. Um, I get the whole idea of, yeah, we want him a certain height, a certain 40 time. I get this. I completely get it. But I'm also a believer that, you know, like the whole Zach Thomas thing, some guys might not meet combine numbers. You put them on a football field and they're just freaking good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that was you. I mean, you were a fast enough guy. You didn't have that blazing speed in the forty. You weren't, like you said, you weren't one or 6'2. But you know what? Um, I don't remember a play, and I'm sure maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't remember the first guy tackling you. I just I don't remember that happening. Um, so when I look at the pros, it was one of those things. And um, another guest we had on earlier that's currently playing uh, E.T., it's right, Latencio, plays the tackle. Similar type of thing. Undersized guy, told he's too small to play the position and kind of had to just prove to them. So in your case, you gotta prove to them. You gotta gotta go in and prove to them. What was that like going and knowing you were fighting an uphill battle? And then on top of it, and sorry I was a little long-winded there, but I'll get to the standpoint point here, on top of knowing you personally have to fight an uphill battle, knowing the dysfunctionality that is those last Rough Rider teams about to crumble under, not from players, but from an administrator. Well, team. it's Where funny you
1: bring like up that? the uphill battle. And, and you know what, Wayne, that's exactly what fueled me uh, for most of my my career as a football player, being told that, you know, you're not going to make university. You're too short. You're not going to go far. Why don't you just come to this team and, and just settle? And, and it was – it's. Examples like that that just drove me harder to try and get as far as I possibly could. Um, getting to the Rough Riders, um, it wasn't it wasn't easy. I mean, I'm very grateful and because uh, that's the team that I ever since I was a kid that I wanted to play for. Um, I was thankful that I lived in a city that had a CFL program, uh, which made it even easier. I was saddened to hear that it it you know left for well, was it 10 years that it left before it came back? But uh, And I thought of, of all these yeah. other local kids who are not going to get that opportunity. Uh, but I, I remember sitting 45 minutes outside Coach um, Gilstrap, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Gilstrap at the time, uh, waiting to have a meeting with him. And I, I gave him my package and said, this is who I am. Um, I'd appreciate an honest uh, opinion and uh two weeks later is when he I got a phone call saying that they were, they were gonna sign me but um the administrative part of getting to the pros was how do i how do i put it it was um there's a lot of politics involved being on the being on the field with all these amazing Amen. athletes you know I've never seen guys like six six who were faster than me. I'm like, how is this humanly possible? Um, that was, that was amazing. That was hmm. mind, mind blowing. Uh, just seeing how in shape these, these, these athletes were, but the administrative side of it was, was something else. I mean, um, I mean, best example I can give you is uh, I remember blowing a hammer playing against the Ty cats in their stadium. And instead of being put on injury reserve, they put me on practice roster, which uh, cuts your, cut your your pay in half, basically, and, and leaves you vulnerable to getting picked up. And I thought, being the first, being a rookie to see if I'm not going to say anything, right? So that was just one of, of a couple of things that kind of, you know, made me think, what's going on here?
0: No, and you're not the, uh, and I mean, that was kind of a, the, the 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 spiraling to the end of a franchise be the Ottawa Rough Riders. you're not the first to tell me these stories but I remember um I've had conversations with uh with numerous CFLers and some of the uh shifty or shady practices that the uh in terms of players uh, being placed on injured versus practice roster I know I had some good conversations with Jock Climey about that now question for you bud this will be a bit of a tougher one and I apologize for you on the spot here um what was it like, man? Cause you were, you, you football kind of identified like, and I'm not saying you personally identified with football, but everybody else kind of identified you with football, like Carlo Discipio in the nineties, late eighties, nineties in Ottawa, synonymous with running back. Anybody in these, in those circles, knew your name, knew what you did. After that year with the Rough Riders, the Rough Riders implode. There's no more Rough Rider program. Um, how hard was it for you to kind of accept that, uh, your football days were over? Like what was, what, did you, did you have any other tryouts after the Rough Riders and and inevitably when it came to an end, Matt, buddy, how hard was it? Um, that's not a
1: hard question at all, Wayne. I, I actually bought a set of golf clubs my last year university. Cause I thought that's it. Like I'm done. And that hit, <laughs> that hit. It's funny. Cause my son now <laughs> uses the golf clubs decades later, which is kind of cool, but I thought I was done. Like, so my last year, uh, university, I absolutely just gobbled every, every moment of it. I remember crying like a little baby when it was all said and done. Um, Cause that's it. If you don't make pro you're done. And so I guess when I right. was done with the riders, I knew, I knew the rough riders was going to be a short stint. Um, I didn't think it would be that short. I thought maybe I'd get two, three years. Um, so when, I, when that was done, I, I don't know if I if, – I guess I was a bit relieved. And I only say that because I'd have to train twice as hard in order to just keep up. I'd have to, I'd have to stretch an I hour and a half you. longer before and after um, in order to just maintain. So I was, I was exhausted at the end of that season. Um, I did get asked to come and try out for uh, for Hamilton, but I knew, um, I knew that was, you know, that was pretty much it. So I uh, hung the helmet up and, and got on with life. I mean, another thing that made me, made my decision even easier was, you see these players, you see these friends of yours that are still playing, and they they get a job for maybe three four months, and then they go to training camp and play the season. And then they come back and get a temporary job. And I'm thinking, well, when do their careers start? Like, Could it be seven, eight years later? You know, I'd rather start now and get to a point where, you know, I'm established. So that kind of made the decision uh, a little easier as well. So I I was kind of saddened, but not that saddened. More relieved.
0: No, prep by it. I, I, I find that interesting, man. I, I love your answer because it's kind of like if I, if I'm understanding correctly, everything after university was a exactly bonus. you weren't expecting anything, and, uh, and, and like I said, and it's funny, and it's also funny to kind of. You know, although we are teammates, I consider you a good friend. It's still funny that, you know, you, you you can never be in somebody else's mind and vice versa. So from watching you from, you know, as a teammate, so I don't want to say from afar, but right next to you, um, you know, in my mind, the the expectation was kind of always professional. Whereas I kind of find it kind of neat that you were even in university prepping yourself for life after football. So kind of neat stuff, man. Um Deli brother, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I won't, uh, I won't keep you any longer. Um, you know, I don't know when anybody's going to be listening to this, but we're doing this on a Sunday. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you, get the fam, uh, before I let you go, I just want to, uh, kind of catch up on, uh, on your family life. Now, what's happening in the, uh, the Discipio clan. Um, you mentioned that your, uh, your son's using those golf clubs. You want to kind of give me, uh, a state of the Decipio uh, address where uh, how, old's how old your son? Um, my daughter time? is,
1: she just turned 15 now on the 20th and uh, she's still heavily involved with soccer. She's been mm. playing soccer now for several years and, and uh, doing quite well with that. My son Stefano, he's uh, 17 uh, close to turning 18. Um, he's played several years of lacrosse. He did have a short stint with football Picked it up again within the last two years at his high school, but uh, due to uh, numbers, uh, they had to uh, cancel the program. So he's uh, he's a working boy. He's in his last year uh, of high school, and uh, if things keep rolling well, his uh, in his way, he'll be attending the uh, Royal, Royal Military College, is what he has in his insights um, out in Kingston. So um life's pretty decent uh we're trying to make the best of it regarding of the uh, situation with covid so we're keeping our kids busy and they're they're keeping us busy
0: awesome man well again (laughs) discipio violence carlo my man uh love you jumping on brother and i mean on a personal thing it's you know we don't we don't do this enough it's great to be able to uh you know, kind of catch up, shoot the breeze for an hour here, my man. I really, really appreciate you taking the con, brother. Um, some great stories in there. It kind of put some memories in my mind. I've just got uh, one more point to make, it, uh, Wayne. You had a pretty
1: big impact with my uh, career at Auto U as well, my friend. Just the way you were able to round up the players underneath that goal post right before the game started. With your motivational speakers, I'm telling you, <laughs> I would have walked on a field of broken glass or nails for you after that pregame speech. I'm telling you, motivation speaker, number one.
0: Uh, uh, you know what, buddy? I forgot about those, and it's funny because the two guys, that I'm convinced I could got have gotten. <laughs> I was just
1: going to say, I would have went, to, went to war for you, brother. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I think you you and Lemire, when I looked at you and Lemire, like everybody else liked it, but I would look in the eyes of you and Fred <laughs> Lemire, and I'm like, uh-oh, i got to be careful. Because <laughs> I think these two are ready to storm, like, uh, you know, head down and storm the U.S. two versus 360. Million. Oh, man. I for- hey, man, I forgot about that. I appreciate you bringing that up. I forgot about, and I forgot about the... Um, the red well we were getting ready for the playoffs and we were actually practicing at Lansdowne. So we propped that it, I it propped up on the uh on the um on the goalposts. Do you remember how those started? And again, I said I'd say bye, but it's funny you bring up you remember how it started? It was uh Breznik who went on to uh to be the founder uh-huh. and, and uh creator of the Cutter Glove uh, of Cutters Glove. And Bresnick was given, and I mean there's a place for it, and as an older guy now or a middle aged guy who's coaching. I tend to be that calm Bresnik type. Bresnick goes, Okay, we gotta folk, we gotta do this, you know, just calmly giving an <laughs> out. I'm like, That's not a speech. This is a speech. Checked him out of the Oh my I, gosh. We're like, everything and we're bishops. I'm like, everything in purple. Go. Down. Purple. Yeah, I'm just
1: going like chunks of, <laughs> chunks of chunks of yeah. flying out of your health. I loved Thank it. I'm for- telling you, you would have been a great general in the army. Anyways.
0: Oh, I'm done. This is the call. Man, I'm glad that you brought up that point. I, I'm smiling. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, some of our boys listen right to the end. Uh, so Wayne, you've been a good friend of me.
1: mine all along. You'll continue to be a good friend of mine. And let's keep in touch. Thank you very much for this opportunity.
0: Hey, man, you know, the, uh, the the feelings are mutual, and uh, let's make sure we hook up with the, uh, the holiday season. All right, my man, be safe. and uh, Thank you, brother. Same to you. Have a good well. day. Keep them all safe. All right, man? Hey, you too, my man. And that was Carlo Scipio joining us here on the NACAFA 65 for 65 podcast series. NACAFA, 65 years of Our Huddle Includes Everyone. And I want to thank everyone for joining us, and make sure you catch us on the